Welcome to SCI Science Perspectives and Bladder Buzz, a podcast brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. In this podcast, we'll be discussing emerging literature spanning the full spectrum of SCI research, from discovery to clinical application. You're listening to a Scholarly Perspectives episode with Parag God. I'm David. And I'm Marla. And today we will have a special crossover episode with Bladder Buzz podcast host, Dr. Mandy Rounds. Welcome, Dr. Rounds. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell us a little about the Bladder Buzz podcast and where people can find you? Yeah, happy to tell you a little bit about it. So Bladder Buzz launched in 2019. It brings together physicians, researchers, and individuals living with neurogenic bladder. Our podcast is designed for clinicians, scientists, non-scientists, adults, kids, and everyone in between. We explore advancing research and personal stories covering not only neurogenic bladder, but also aspects beyond the bladder that affect those with spinal cord injury or disease. Find Bladder Buzz on major podcast platforms. Give us a listen and subscribe. Thank you so much for being here. And today we're going to be discussing the ongoing clinical trial entitled Spinal Cord Neuromodulator by Spinex and Scone to Treat Neurogenic Bladder or the Scone Continence Clinical Study. This multi-site trial began May 2022. Our guest today is Parag Gad. Parag has more than 15 years of preclinical and clinical research and product development experience in both academia and startups, and is interested in translating basic science into products that improve the quality of lives of individuals. He completed his basic bioengineering training from Mumbai, India, before pursuing his master's and PhD from the University of California, Los Angeles, specializing in neuroengineering. Parag has co-authored over 75 scientific papers and holds over 10 patents. Since 2019, Parag has been leading Spinex Inc., a clinical stage bioelectric medtech company, developing non-invasive tools for patients with unmet clinical needs. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Parag. Thank you for this opportunity. Really excited to uh, share with you all the Spinex story. Hey, I would love to start right there. Can you tell us a little bit about the origins of your company, how the idea came to be, where you came from, and where you are now? So I come from a strong pedigree of researchers that's, you know, that worked under the guidance of uh, Reggie Edgerton at UCLA. Um, so I, I, I was with, uh, I've been associated with Reggie for now for about 15 years. Uh, started my PhD program with him back in 2008. Um, and, you know, Carried on working with him as a as a full time scientist uh, at the completion after the completion of my PhD, and reached a point in our uh, in our in our journey with developing neuromodulation tools and, and devices for you know multiple conditions that we were testing at the time that you know limiting it to lab it doesn't really do justice to this technology uh, and the the kinds of applications that we envisioned for it. Uh, there is a, a a need for a certain platform that will allow us to bring this to market and uh, actually impact the individuals that that uh, could benefit from it, which was sort of the seed that led to the formation of Spinex. Uh, this was, you know, sometime in 2018. And eventually when we, we you know, formed the company, which is uh, around December 2018, uh, you know, we, we identified neurogenic bladder as our, you know, primary target, realizing the impact that bladder has on individuals that live with neurogenic conditions and the quality of life that's impacted uh, and the fact that they essentially live their lives, plan their entire day around their bladder. So you know, that that kind of was how Spinex came into being. 
And uh, based on that, you know, we've been now active for about five years. That's great, Parag. So it's uh, awesome seeing you guys move to market out of the lab. You started there and you bring up multiple conditions. And we all know that Reggie's lab in terms of neuromodulation had various forms of neuromodulation targeting various functions. So can you kind of lay the foundation for how Spinex thinks about the term neuromodulation broadly? Uh, that's a great question. So I think I think we really want to focus on highlighting neuromodulation versus stimulation. And I think there's a, there's a key difference in, in the interpretation of neuromodulation versus stimulation. In, in cases, you know, if you take spinal cord injury, for example, uh, everything, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, activity that's occurring in the spinal cord, both in terms of inhibition and excitation. When you think of stimulation, you always think of excitation. And that's not always necessarily what the patient needs or what the, the nervous system requires. Uh, when we look at the some of the mechanisms that are at play here, the key, one of the key mechanisms, I should say, is really the coordination of patterns of motor pools and their firing both in time and in space. When these coordination, when the coordination is reestablished, either through neuro neuromodulation or neuroplasticity or training, that is when you see function being improved. Which is why I think neuromodulation is, is really the key in, in how we foresee and view this, uh, this being operated. Uh, because when we deliver the therapy, we're not always exciting the nervous system. It, there needs to be a balance between excitation, inhibition, and sometimes no activity for you to actually see functional improvement occur, neuroplasticity to occur, and restoration of voluntary control. That's great. Could you elaborate a little bit on the specific goals and objectives of the SCONE trial and how they contribute to advancing our understanding and treatment of neurogenic bladder? Absolutely. So uh, the, the primary goal of the SCONE confidence trial is to establish the safety and efficacy of improving symptoms of neurogenic bladder in individuals that live with uh, NLUGD caused by a spinal cord injury, stroke, or multiple sclerosis. Um, so, you know, the, the, the first thought that may come to my mind, your mind is, why are you combining multiple pathologies? And, you know, a, a phenomena of the brain is not the same as the phenomena of the spinal cord in terms of trauma. The, the reality is that, you know, Whenever, whenever the trauma occurs, be it a spinal cord lesion or a brain lesion due to stroke or multiple sclerosis, where it's a combination, the neurogenic bladder and the symptoms associated with it are fairly similar, which is an increase in urgency, frequency, incontinence, loss of sensation, which have a direct impact on the quality of life of the individual and their loved ones. So the primary goal of this cone trial is to establish safety and efficacy in improvement of these symptoms associated with neurogenic bladder. Uh, we're looking at recruiting uh, a minimum of 87 participants across multiple sites around the world uh, who will be receiving scone therapy uh, in clinic uh, twice a week for a period of 12 weeks. And we'll be uh, the, the objective is to demonstrate uh, which of the symptoms of neurogenic bladder improve and to what extent. So thanks for talking a little bit about the background and kind of the basics of the trial. Can you tell us a little bit, you know, you're talking a little bit about what is neuromodulation? Can you talk a little bit about what the specifics of this device is, how you expect it to work, and how you know you expect the outcomes to be once you see the trial kind of complete? So it's cone therapy, uh, you know, the, one of the primary differentiating factors for us is cone is a completely non-invasive therapy. So the, the electrodes are attached to different levels of the back 
as compared to an implantable device where you need a, a neurosurgeon uh, to implant it over the epidural space, for example. So being an, a non-invasive device, we're able to attach the electrodes to the back and get started within you know, a few minutes uh, once the patient comes into the clinic. Uh, the, the, the mechanism of action here really uh, focuses on three aspects. And this is based on some of the early pilot work that we've done uh, in, in Reg's lab and, and along with our collaborator, Dr. Evgeny Creighton, uh, based out of USC. Uh, what we've really identified is when we deliver the neuromodulation therapy, we activate the lumbosacral interneurons. The activation of these interneurons reduces the spasticity in the bladder and increases the tone in the sphincter. That's the first step. The second is the afferents from the bladder and sphincter that are fed back to the spinal cord are now further enhanced due to the you know, uh, more active uh, uh, bladder and sphincter due to the initial activation. These afferents further reinforce the activity occurring in the, in the lumbosacral spine. The third and key piece here is that the ascending information from the lumbosacral spine that's traveling up to the cortex of the brain is being amplified. Essentially, we, we have created a hearing aid for the spinal cord where we are amplifying some of these weak nerve signals that are communicating between the spinal cord and the brain through the site of the lesion. And because we're amplifying these signals bidirectionally, the brain is able to hear what the periphery is, is trying to say, which in this case is the bladder and sphincter. And second, the, the periphery, the bladder and sphincter, are able to understand what the brain wants it to do, which is you know, prevent incontinence from occurring or control your urgency. So when you, when you combine these three individual mechanistic uh, steps, you really get a, a very you know, holistic uh, view on how neuromodulation is improving spasticity in the bladder, increasing tone of the sphincter, such that it reduces the urgency and frequency, increase in bladder capacity, as well as a change in sensation of bladder fullness, allowing the individuals to catheterize when you know, they, they really need to by sensation rather than by the clock that, hey, it's four hours and it's time for me to catheterize. Love this uh, delineation of the mechanisms, Prague. Thanks so much. When it comes to other forms of neuromodulation, almost always it's a spinal cord stimulation. Let's say it's transcutaneous paired with some type of behavior, like let's say the contraction of a bicep, you're doing physical therapy. In this case, it's notable that this neuromodulation, I didn't say stimulation, is not paired with voiding. So can you talk a little bit about that part of the study? So uh, while, while voiding is the holy grail, right? I, I will give you that. That the objective eventually, the goal is to get to a point where the individuals are catheter free and are uh, able to avoid. During our customer discovery interviews and talking to urologists, talking to you know even individuals with lived experience, um, the, the the sense we got from them was that well, whiting is important, but I just don't want to be dry, don't want to be wet and leaking. And the fact that I don't realize that I've actually leaked because I don't have the sensation, so I have to constantly check physically with my hands. And for someone that has impaired hand function, that's also not possible. So it's sort of a double-edged sword and a multifaceted problem you're dealing with in terms of the incontinence by itself. So again, uh, we're, we're a young company. We are a you know uh, a, a small company to, be, to to start with. So we really had to identify the 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 goals that we could achieve with the limited resources that avail that we had available. So we we decided to uh, you know target incontinence and storage as our first set of goals, uh, with the intent being that we're able to if we're able to restore sensation urgency, frequency, and treat incontinence, you are solving four of the five problems that individuals with neurogenic bladder are facing with. They're still dependent on the catheter, 
but can catheterize patient sensation. So that you're still providing them with another added uh, advantage, another uh, you know uh, arrow in their arsenal. So a lot more that they can use to improve their quality of life. Yeah, and for our professional audience, that's I think really important in terms of uh, patient expectations to use that language that Parag just tooled us all with. So. Yeah, thanks for, for talking about quality of life. That's always closest to my heart, at least when it comes to research. I'm always interested in like the translational aspect and how does it impact their quality of life because leakage is so huge and that's what's mm -hmm. talked about most, at least when it comes to bladder function. So what ways do you anticipate the results of this specific clinical trial when it comes to impacting the future landscape of neurogenic bladder treatment? Well, we really hope um, and uh, our intent is to have SCONE as the standard of care for treating neurogenic data in the future. And we, we are trying to achieve that in, in multiple stages. So we begin with uh, clinical therapy where patients come into the clinic, receive therapy in clinic, and we're trying to model this around the PTNS uh, system where individuals are you know, anyway coming into the urologist's office for uh, PTNS therapy. Even though PTNS is not approved for neurogenic bladder, uh, a urologist is familiar with this you know, uh, uh, pattern, or they could be you know, checking into a rehab center and uh, delivering scone therapy in a rehab center. So th there, are, there are multiple uh, platforms that they could be leveraging for in-clinic scone therapy. Uh, the, the second is uh, trying to create this as a platform technology and as part of our outcomes in the ongoing trial we're also looking at neurogenic bowel and sexual function as secondary outcomes which generally occur co-concomitantly co with neurogenic bladder so you're sort of getting a three for one uh, in some sense and the 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 real big home run for us would be for scone therapy to be delivered at home and and that's where we are headed to next is at the completion of this uh, uh, this trial and the, the eventual de novo registration We'd like to uh, get a, a label extension for scone therapy uh, with the, after the completion of another smaller clinical trial, uh, such that scone could then be translated to home use after having trained in the clinic and after having set your stimulation parameters, uh, so that they can then take the patients can take it home and self-deliver therapy at home. One thing I noticed when I was reading, you know, the trial inclusion criteria is that you guys also are including MS. And stroke. And I think, you know, as a clinician, when we're trying to get through data and we're looking for especially spinal cord data, it's so, you know, one of the things that's difficult in our field is trying to find something specific for our patient, you know, a 27 year old with a T4 injury that's got mm -hmm. this type of bladder. And then, you know, with the study, the inclusion criteria being even more broad, including stroke and uh, including MS. How do you think that may impact your results, you know, either positively making it more broad inclusion, being able to reach more patients versus, you know, a clinician trying to figure out if this is an appropriate um, use of your device for their specific patient? Great question again. So I, I really want to qualify one, um, one aspect here with respect to the trial. Our objective is not to treat spinal cord injury. The spinal cord injury that that has occurred is uh, is is present and has led to secondary occurrence of the neurogenic bladder. We are trying to leverage the existing nervous system, which is currently dormant, and reactivate and rewire that nervous system to treat neurogenic bladder. The neurogenic bladder symptoms that are that are you know seen in stroke patients, in SCI patients, MS patients, they present the same symptoms. So. 
the outcomes that, that we need to look for are the same. The treatment protocol that we need to focus on in, with respect to uh, these patients is the same. The symptoms that you're treating are the same. So our objective, like I said, is not to treat the pathology, but the presentation of the condition. And that's what we're doing with, with our objective. So uh, while I understand it is not a uh, as clean as you, you're you presenting it, saying, you know, if you have patient A, does that fall into the criteria that's, you know, spine X study completed? This may be a little of a, a bit of a gray zone there, but we definitely would fall into that gray zone as long as the rest of the neurogenic bladder conditions and, uh, and symptoms are met. I love that you brought that up, Parag, because that's where we started, at least with the bladder buzz podcast. We like started with bladder and then everyone was like, yeah, but it, it goes hand in hand with bowel. So we just like release, we're about to release all these bowel podcasts. Mm -hmm. Hey, but it also goes with sexual function. We released a sexual function podcast and you hear about bladder as well. So yep. that's super exciting that you guys are considering the other secondary conditions that go along with spinal cord injury. And thanks for highlighting those as well. Yeah, well, mm. they, they're, they're secondary condition in the traditional sense, but when you talk to a person with lived, lived experience, bladder, bowel, sexual function are, you know, probably the top two, three uh, priorities for them. So uh, yep. I think from, from our perspective, they are they're absolutely primary and, and top of the list. Yeah, I always say That's after right. the hands, the next three are in the pelvis. Exactly it. Uh, so coming to the end here, um, Prague, can you tell us a little bit about the anticipated uh, timeline for this pivotal top line data maybe goes to the FDA. And then after that, one comment just on the future of the company and what you guys have on the horizons. So we are uh, uh, on course to wrap up the recruitment of the trial by February 2024. So in the next uh, four to six weeks, we're hoping to have the trial wrapped up, uh, get, the, get all the patients in. As of today, I believe we have uh, eight or nine patients uh, to go. So we're looking at having in life completed by uh, late spring, early summer of this year. Uh, top line data potentially available by early fall. Uh, and if all goes well, and if um, there's no restrictions uh, in terms of resources and, and, and finances, then uh, we are hoping to be in front of the FDA uh, by the end of this year or early next year. So uh, we've got an aggressive timeline, uh, but uh, based on you know some of the milestones that we have achieved so far in, in a very short period of time, I think we we are confident we'll be able to meet those. Um, and uh, one, one thing that uh, a lot of people have um, uh, have, have identified is Spinex doesn't do things normally. And that seems to be the trend here again. And as Reggie has often said, if it's, if it's easy, everyone would be doing it. So we definitely don't want to be everyone. That's great. And so on the future, uh, do yeah. you move past bladder? Do you, what happens with Spinex? So we, we've got neurogenic bladder as our first indication. Uh, we've already lined up uh, cerebral palsy and movement disorders associated with CP in the pediatric population as our second indication, which is uh, you know a complete 180 compared to where we are right now. But uh, it, it is definitely a uh, as a platform technology, we're leveraging uh, the, the certain aspects of neuromodulation to look at the impact it has on the pediatric population. And we already have some uh, very, very exciting pilot data from about 50 children that we've worked with. So really looking forward to getting that trial started. And uh, we're hoping to have that trial uh, begin recruitment by the summer of this year. So uh, I think uh, we are, we'll probably be about a year. We'll, we'll, we'll have the, the CP product on the market a year after the, the SCORE device. Simultaneously, we look at uh, translating SCORE to home for neurogenic bladder. So I think by in the next uh, 
two to five years, we're hoping to have uh, a couple of products in the market uh, focusing on uh, the autonomic function for the neurogenic population and the movement disorders in the pediatric population. Well, that's really exciting. I know we're all excited for the field of neuromodulation and especially for Spinex. Um, and I think, you know, just speaking from my point of view, always excited to see the technology actually hit the people that can use it. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for being here to, you know, explain your trial and your product. And we'll definitely be looking forward to the next, what's next to come from Spinex. I appreciate the opportunity. This is uh, uh, the, the invite, the opportunity. We're really excited. Uh, I think the team uh, is is motivated and pumped up to bring products to market to you know help the individuals that live with these unmet clinical needs. So um, I think the next couple of years are going to be exciting for uh, this field of neuromodulation and the spinal cord injury field. Thank you for listening to this episode of SCI Science Perspectives brought to you by the American Spinal Injury Association. The podcast is made possible by the leadership of Dr. Suzanne Grill, your producer host, David McMillan and Marla Petrillo, our editor, Abby Fox, production assistant, James Concepcion, and Asia's front office. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please contact us at SCI Perspectives Podcast at gmail.com.